Wellness Podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon. I am really, really excited to be connecting with you guys today, checking in with you guys, um, especially because I'm feeling like especially lonely this morning and everybody that I know is in the is in a different hemisphere and asleep. <laughs> um, God, it's so interesting to feel like Literally nobody I know is awake right now. Literally nobody in this country, let alone this city, let alone this building, knows who I am or gives a fuck that I'm here. It's a very unique experience. And this kind of existential loneliness that you can feel is really fascinating to observe. I don't let it take me down, obviously. Um, But it's like, oh, interesting. We're noticing this bizarre, wild feeling of loneliness. But you know what? You guys, I think, did I, hmm, on somewhere where I share my words, of all the places I share my words, I wrote about how I picked up this Joni Mitchell book on a really, really, like, on a day that really triggered me this summer. Wow, I had some big triggers happen. And this book was one of those huge blessings that's just gotten me through so much. Like, Joni Mitchell's music got me through, has gotten me through so much of my life. And then to read this book and learn more about her music, and not just her music, you guys, but all the music, all the folk music that we loved, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, James Taylor, Leonard Cohen, all these fucking men, all all this old folk music we loved was all influenced by her. All of it. All of it. Like, uh, she's the most amazing woman in the world. And uh, before I left on this trip, I told I told her I want to make my life like a Joni Mitchell song. And she said, which song? <laughs> and I feel like each day gets to be a different song. And reading this book, there's something so beautiful. Oh my God, it's going to make me cry. Because Joni was like such a lover. She loved with such depth. And she wanted to be in these relationships with these men. Like she loved them so, so deeply. She couldn't make a lot of her relationships work. And that's like what so much of this this sadness in her music is about. I mean, there's... We could get into... I don't know if you guys... I'm like, should I make a whole episode about Joni Mitchell? She was paralyzed at age 10 from polio. And she sat for almost a year alone alone in a hospital bed as a 10-year-old completely paralyzed from polio just like as if she had covid no one could be with her her parents were not allowed to be there with her she like the 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 depth of suffering that this woman exudes through her music is just i mean there's a reason why i have her face tattooed on my body okay <laughs> so anyways I, wow, this was a really roundabout way of getting to my point. In this book, there was a, a moment I read where she said, if I'm going to be lonely, I would rather be alone. I would rather enjoy my loneliness and solitude than feel lonely with my partners or in a group of people or in a crowd at a show. And that just hit me so deeply 
I feel like I have been in so many relationships and even friendships where I am with these people and I feel so lonely. And so today when I woke up alone in this hostel and feeling a little bit sad about it, I thought to myself, Jane, at least you're enjoying your solitude. At least you're alone in this loneliness. <sighs> so just like Buddhism teaches us that life is suffering, Joni teaches me that my suffering can be the most beautiful thing and that it can be a direct correlation to the art that I create. So while I'm here, I really hope that I am writing and creating and inspiring and sharing as much as I can and not isolating. You know, when Joni would isolate, she would do it because she was creating to share with the world. She wanted her art to benefit all beings. If she knew that she could touch one person's soul and help them feel seen the way that she's done that for me. This book is everything to me right now. Every time I sit down to eat a meal, I'm reading this book. And um, this book is the one thing reminding me that I'm not alone. Also, Joni is very straight. I have yet to dis read about any queer relationships she had. But lately, she seems like she only hangs out with the lesbian crowd. <laughs> if you look at all the people she hangs out with these days, like, how did Brandi Carlisle get to be Joni Mitchell's best friend? I don't know how she did that. But anyways, this is not an episode about Joni Mitchell, and we're six minutes in, and that's all I've talked about so far. So welcome to the world of Jane. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I'm here in Lisbon and it's interesting. Right now, I kind of feel like I'm in a dorm. I realized that last night. It feels a little bit like when I was back in my Spiller dorm hall in University of Oregon because it's like you have your own room and I'm on this twin bed and I've got this little wardrobe and like these little side tables and I'm all organized. And then at the end of the hall, there's two bathrooms and like a kitchenette and a balcony and um, a dining room area with a couch and a TV. And so it's weird because I can hear people like walking around and I feel really vulnerable. Like even though my door is locked, like someone could walk in any moment and <laughs> that's how I felt at the dorms. I felt like anyone would walk into my room any moment they wanted to. And the weird thing is that I haven't seen anybody. Every time I leave my room, I just either see nobody or the same cleaning lady who is keeping this place fucking spotless. Like every time I see her, I'm like, good, good job. Like there is no trace of any other people being around here. But last night I was hearing lots of people. And so I'm assuming, you know, that everyone gets up, gets out, they're out traveling, taking the day. And today I really want to talk to you about traveling. Today's going to be a travel podcast, which is some of my favorite ones to make. I know you guys enjoy them a lot, um, and I don't get to make them often, even though I travel a ton. So today I wanted to just walk you through landing in Lisbon. Um, it's my eighth day here. I got here last Wednesday. And so let's rewind. Let's rewind back to the few days before I was leaving. Now, I'll be honest as I always am. I hate it when I start a sentence that way. I'll be honest, I always am. The few days before I left for this trip, I was in a pretty intense like mental health crisis, I would say. And I'm gonna make an episode on that later, not today. But I do feel like I kind of had to drop off for a little bit. 
and a couple weeks before we left, my little sister called me and she was like, I want to come to Lisbon with you. Can I come with you? Like, I talked to mom and dad. I've been working my job all summer. Like, can I come with you? And I was like, yeah, we're going to share a tiny little Airbnb. We're going to squeeze into one bed together, um, but let's do it. And as someone who was really just nervous about going to a foreign city where I know no one and nothing all by myself um, for a month, that obviously intimidated me, but obviously I made that choice to get out of my comfort zone. But the idea of bringing my 19-year-old sister with me just for the first couple days to get settled in and to get my bearings on the city, and also my little sister is such a foodie, as someone who struggles eating alone, um, knowing that she'd be there to like go to all the restaurants with me and find the coffee shops and find the places and do all the things to help me settle into the grid of this city, it just brought me such relief. It was one of those like, oh my god, yes, I love this idea. This is such a good idea. So she and I met in Boston, and... Um, that was an interesting airport. I walked through a gate to get onto a bus to be taken to another gate. It was the most unintuitive like connection I've ever had, but I made it, so we were fine. But um, gosh, I just love that experience of going to these stupid fucking airports. I'm sorry, you guys. The Salt Lake City Airport is one of the biggest disappointments of my entire life. <laughs> And the way that like air, airports and planes and all of that stuff has changed, it just bums me out. I saw this TikTok and it was like a news station basically talking shit on how casually everybody dresses at the airports now. Airplanes used to be not only a humane way of traveling, but like a luxury that was worth getting dressed up for. Air travel is, I'm sorry, it is not a luxurious experience. A majority of the people on the plane are there because they have to be, and probably a small percentage of people are on the plane for pleasure because they are going on an adventure. Again, arguable, but if I ever become a billionaire, I want you all to hear this, if I ever, for some amazing reason, become a billionaire, I am going to make my own airline industry. I'm going to make my own, I'm going to buy a shit ton of planes and I'm going to make a type of air travel that changes the whole industry that will make everybody happy and it will make the world a better place. Also, airplanes are like the worst thing for the environment. So that's why I really, I really want to become a billionaire to fix all of that. Anyways, we get here and you know, I'm always manifesting first class tickets. And that's one of those things, just like I posted yesterday. I don't know how you manifest a first class ticket. Sometimes you have to just fucking buy it. I don't have that kind of money right now. I have the kind of money to just get myself the damn ticket. And I have yet to manifest a first class ticket, but what I keep manifesting on every international trip I've been on this year is getting a whole row to myself. And it's funny because my sister and I even got our seating next to each other so we could be together. And then we realized that the rows we sat where we chose were empty. And that just makes it so nice. And on the flight here, you guys, I watched... Miss Congeniality, that movie, I haven't watched since I was a little kid. That movie probably made me gay. Watching that movie, I'm like, oh my god. No wonder little Jane loved this movie so much. Like, Sandra Bullock is such a gay icon in this movie. Oh my god, don't even get me started. The beauty of the flight to Lisbon is that I flew from 
So I, my older sister drove me from San Diego up to LAX. I got on the flight from LAX to Boston. That was about five and a half hours. Three hour layover in Boston. Flight from Boston to Lisbon was only six hours. So this trip, like, it was, it was funny because it was too short. We didn't get like a full night of sleep on the flight that I'm used to. Normally, you, you hop the pond, it's going to be at least seven, eight, if not 14 hours. And so we start landing and it's funny because every, you can tell everyone's irritated that we have to wake up. Like no one was ready to wake up yet. We land and it's the morning and we find our driver and, and we get here. We get to our little Airbnb. It's this tiny little place, top floor apartment, and we're just in walking distance of everything. So yeah, Lily and I just, we just start walking everywhere. And we're maybe like two miles from the water, but it's not really the ocean. It's more of like a river that leads into the water that I feel like kind of connects along the coast. We were really close to everything. So here's the fun thing about a walkable city, okay? Like Lisbon is a walkable city. I can get an Uber ride anywhere here for a couple of dollars and it's not really necessary. So Lily and I walked on average 10 miles every day, just exploring. There's just so much to explore and I think that's the fun place about going to a city where you can just get an apartment and walk everywhere is that you just get to explore and there's there's something there's something that I believe helps rewire your brain and maybe even like strengthen your I don't know, thinking skills. I'm no I'm not a neurologist, but um there's something about landing in a new city for me and figuring out a new grid and adjusting to a new culture and all of that, it feels like it clears my mind. It feels like this is something I love so much about traveling is that it's like I get out of those old energetic patterns, those old synapses firing in my brain. Back in Salt Lake City, I was living on the same street almost that I grew up on. And I felt like I was going over the same grid over and over and over again. And the, 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 what is the word? The channels in my brain were bored and unstimulated. And I'm just, I, I need things like this. I don't know how to explain it, but I love it. And so it was so fun to just walk and walk and walk and explore 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 and just find all of these places so the first thing i'll talk about is eating the food here now is that the yeah here's the weird thing about the fact that i chose portugal i i know that the portuguese have a huge influence on brazilian culture i know this obviously this is not news to me but I didn't realize that all of the traditional food in Portugal would be so nostalgic to my ex-girlfriend's family's food. <laughs> like, this is where I felt really naive of like, just everywhere I go, I'm going to be reminded of them. And that's been so hard. And part of me is like, you dumb idiot. Why would you come to a country that is like completely influenced their culture? <laughs> like the main dish here is my ex's mom's like main dish like when you go visit her she makes you bacalhau and so i'm like avoiding the traditional foods which is weird but like i am 
And the fun thing is that there's so much good food here. Like it's not just all Portuguese food. You can get paella, you can get Italian. There's so many Nepali restaurants here. There's so many Indian restaurants here. We've had sushi and there's all kinds of like new age gastronomy type of restaurants. I found the yummiest, oh my God, I went to this vegan restaurant yesterday. At a lot of places here, they make fresh juice and they mix it with iced tea, you guys. It's so good. It's so good. Yesterday, I had this like ginger iced tea mixed with like mango apple juice that had these like little tiny red bitter things in them. I didn't know what they were. I should have written it down so I could remember and find out. But And then I ordered this quinoa salad that had like avocados and beets and um god this tofu that kind of tasted like ricotta and then it had melon that looked and tasted like sashimi i was like oh my god this place is amazing it's right next door to my new hostel loved it we've had so much yummy italian food so much cheese lots of cheese lots of seafood um god we just had so much good food and Lily likes to do this thing called a meal progression. I hope she's okay with me saying her name over and over again on this show, but basically we start our day, we stop at our first place to get a little coffee and pastry. Later in the morning, maybe we stop for a little baguette. Later in the afternoon, we'll stop for another little snack. Dinner, we'll grab, we'll start with a drink, appetizer, move on, find somewhere else to sit down for dinner. And it was really fun because we were just tasting everything, giving ourselves lots of opportunities to eat and try things and just staying fed. And when you're walking 10 miles a day like we were, it was easy. You know, one of those stops might just be gelato or just some pashtais. And uh, it was so fun. Also, the food here is really cheap. Like, a, a, a good cappuccino and like a pastry is gonna cost you three bucks. Um, every dinner for the two of us has been like 20 bucks. Um, the only thing is just like, I would say that alcohol here is kind of the same price as it is in the States. The euro and the dollar are about the same right now. So um, that was fun though because the drinking age here is 18. Lily's 19. And so as her big sister, it was so fun at dinner. We would order a pitcher of sangria and split some sangria. And um, it was just, you know, I feel so lucky. I got to take my little sister with me to Europe and take her around. We went shopping. The stores here are so cool. The clothes here are so cool. I'm going to spend so much money on clothes that I wasn't even expecting I would want to do, but I will definitely be bringing back lots of clothes. Yeah, just having the best time. So we did a couple of beach days. So the beaches here are not necessarily near where I am right now. Any good beach is going to be at least a 30-minute Uber drive away. A 30-minute Uber drive here costs about $20. So we just got dressed. I put a tapestry in my backpack, as I always do, to go to the beach. And we just took an Uber to one of the beaches. And what I did is I looked up a bunch of beach clubs. So every beach in every country is different, right? And that's what I love about traveling to beach towns is that they're all different. So here in Europe, most people have their own cars and drive themselves and bring their own umbrellas and chairs and all of that. But 
for those of us who are traveling, there are beach clubs, and you can res you can uh, rent like a cabana or a couple of chairs and an umbrella, and they'll have like a restaurant and a bar service, and it's really nice. But when we got there, the first place, she was like, no, 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 we're booked. And I was like, oh no, we're never going to find a place. And Lily, I just love her determination. She's like, we're going to keep going from beach club to beach club until we find chairs. Because it, it's funny to compare, like, in a place like Rio or California, you know, San Diego, you can just you know, go put your tapestry out on the beach and lay on the tapestry and you're going to be fine. Something about the climate here that I wasn't expecting, A, it's very dry. Not as dry as Utah, but very dry and very hot. Like very sunny. It's very sunny. There is not a cloud in the sky ever. Like the whole time I've been here, I have not seen a cloudy day. And so like the sand on the beach was burning my feet. Like I seriously think I might have some burns on my feet from walking in my sandals on the beach. It was that hot. Like people bring not just umbrellas, but like entire shelter setups because it's so sunny and hot here that like being without shade on the beach, you just won't last very long. So lesson for anyone wanting to come to the beaches of Portugal. I was like, if we just brought an umbrella, this would change our lives. I wished that our Airbnb just had an umbrella that we could have taken with us. But anyways, thanks to Lily's persistence, we kept walking and we eventually found a beach club that had chairs and an umbrella for 15 bucks for us to rent for the entire day. And then we could go into the restaurant, leave our chairs, have lunch, get drinks whenever we wanted. So that was really, really nice. It made it really fun because we could hang out at the beach all day. And by the time the sun started setting, the restaurant had a DJ come out and start playing music. And we just had the best time. So the first beach we went to was, um, oh gosh, it was Praia Princesa. And what I've learned is that beaches here have a lot of different names. It's not as consistent as it is in other places. Um, one beach might be named different things to different people is what I've learned. And then our second beach day, we went to Cascais, which is a lot more popular, um, a lot more touristy, a lot trendier, a lot busier. Um, but we found a really gorgeous beach club to hang out at there. And it was very entertaining. Cascais, I read before we went that it was really windy, and it was indeed very windy. And there was so many sailors there, so many sailboats there, that I was like, and it was so windy on the beach, like kind of annoying. Like we were so sandy by the end of the day. Everything is covered in sand. Like your lips are covered in sand. Your hair is covered in sand. Like I'm not sure that I would go to that beach again because the warnings about the wind were true. I wished that we had gone and rented a sailboat because it would have been a great day for a sail. But you live and you learn. Um, but that was such a cute town to stay in and walk around and get dinner we sat down at one place and it's really interesting to just observe personalities here one of the first things i realized and i feel this way as an american especially a girl from utah is that i am a very smiley kind person and in places like this it kind of makes you stand out a lot um like an american and i believe 
that when you're traveling in a foreign country, it's really important to adjust to what you're noticing around you. So if I'm noticing that most girls are not smiling or making eye contact or saying good morning to every person that they walk past on the street, I'm going to mimic that. It's been really interesting to notice certain vibes and certain energies and be like, am I misunderstanding here or you know, what's going on? Like, the, and what I'm thinking about is we stopped at this one place because it was a really cute location. Um, we ordered a drink, we ordered a couple mussel or a couple oysters to shoot. And, um, and the waiter was like, I was speaking Portuguese to him and he's like, is that all? And I was like, that's all for right now. And he looked like irritated that like we ordered drinks and an appetizer and a couple of oysters. And then I watched him tell this other table, like, you have to order dinner right now if you want to eat here or else you have to leave. And this table of, I think there were Italians, they were so offended. And I was like, what's this guy's deal? And then uh, there was an awkward vibe. Like everyone at that restaurant felt awkward because this waiter for some reason, like, didn't like this table and like was like, you have to order now or leave. And then we kind of didn't want to stay there. And Lily kept eyeing this Indian place across the way that smelled good. And she really wanted to go there. So I was like, yeah, we'll take our check. And he looked so irritated that we were like done with our meal. It was such a weird experience. But another interesting thing about kind of the culture I've noticed here is that when you go to a restaurant and order, at most places I've noticed, they want you to pay right away. And that's fine. I don't mind that at all. But as someone who served tables for five years, you're going to make a lot less money if you have to keep on ordering and paying. And so it's just interesting trying to figure out like what is polite here. Like I'm so used to ordering and being brought my check so quickly that when this guy seemed irritated by it, it was confusing, right? And then there's other places I go to where I sit down and I'm hanging out there for so long before anyone wants to come take my order or bring me my check or anything. Um, people here don't work for tips. You can tip them, but they're not working for tips. So it's just different. And it's so interesting to observe. So that night in Cascais, we left, we went to an Indian restaurant and I realized Lily had never really had Indian food before. And it was so, so, so yummy something that I'm loving about Portugal is that it really is such a mixture of cultures here. Yes, the Portuguese influence is very strong, but there's so many cultures thriving here right now that it's been really fun to enjoy all of that. Like the Italian restaurants we've been to, oh my God, so good. Yeah, another interesting story. So yeah, let's talk about it. My Portuguese. I speak Brazilian Portuguese, which I was worried was going to be um, a difficult adjustment when I got here, mostly because I am used, my ear is used to hearing Brazilian Portuguese. I'm not used to hearing European Portuguese. As much as I've tried to practice listening to other things, it's a whole new adjustment for me. Like, just completely different. Like, as Americans, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, like, Love Island, for example. That show, sometimes it's really hard to understand what they're saying, even though they're speaking English. That's kind of how it is. So, that was my big concern getting here, is just not being able to understand others very well. Now, I get here, and our driver who picks us up, he speaks perfect English and I ask him why and he's like most people here speak really good English because all of our TVs are like American shows and um, we we like a lot of American music and like 
most people here just try to speak English and learn it. And it's like super common for people in Europe to speak English because most people are bilingual. <laughs> if you're not bilingual, it's probably because you're an American. It, obviously, it took me a minute to click into my Portuguese and to get comfortable with it and to get flowing with it. But what I realized here in Portugal compared to being in Brazil, people understand me and my Portuguese perfectly. Like, I haven't had any issues. Like, maybe times when I repeat myself, maybe times when people, you know, need me to try saying it a different way. But people, A, people understand me here. And it's just so nice. B, I think that because most people here speak English, they also understand me better. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's what I feel like. Especially because I feel like they notice immediately that I'm just trying to practice my Portuguese. And a lot of people have been so kind about it and it, like makes them smile and they'll like correct me and, you know, help me get it right and speak back to me in Portuguese and, and help me. And I just, I love that. It feels so kind and generous. I don't know if my Portuguese has simply improved. I don't know if I'm more confident about it. I was only in Brazil six months ago for a month. So obviously I got better at it while I was there. And I think I became a lot more confident about it. And a few days into our trip, more and more people started asking me if I'm Brazilian. And that just like made me laugh so hard. I felt so honored, you know, and they would be like, oh, you just have this Brazilian accent. And I'd be like, I know it's because that's where I learned Portuguese. And, you know, sometimes people be like, oh, I'm Brazilian. Like, so nice to meet you. That was most of the interactions that I was having. And it honestly, like, makes me so, like, nothing makes me more excited than someone mistaking me for a Brazilian because of my accent. It really makes me feel proud of myself. Um, but I had an interesting experience and I don't have any Portuguese friends to ask about this, but Lily and I, we were in this really busy kind of dinner area trying to choose a restaurant, looking at menus and stuff. And this hostess lady walks up to us with a menu and starts talking to us. And um, I have a rule that I only speak Portuguese unless I cannot figure out how to say something in in Portuguese or I it's really important that I don't make any mistake in what I'm saying and I switch to English. Like my rule here is... Even if someone speaks English to me, I will respond to them in Portuguese. Even if they're asking me what language I speak, I will respond to them in Portuguese. Um, and so this lady starts talking to us. And this lady, I'm going to just be upfront. She looks like a Karen. She is a blonde haired lady, maybe in her 50s or 60s. And she starts talking to us in English about her restaurant. And I respond in Portuguese as I always do. And she looks at me like, like I've offended her. And she goes, are you, in Portuguese, she's like, are you Brazilian? And I like laugh and I say, no, but thank you so much. I'm not Brazilian. We're American. And she's like, but you speak Brazilian. And I said, I speak Portuguese. Um, like I learned in Brazil, but like we're both American. And she goes, mm -mm, you do not speak native Portuguese that's Brazilian and I was just like yeah like it, it, it was so it was it was so weird I think that I was feeling not like discriminated against but judged for maybe being Latino 
by a white European person. It was really interesting, you guys. And Lily felt the vibe and she didn't even understand what we were saying. And Lily was like, I feel like if she weren't trying to get us to go to her restaurant, she would have been like even more mean to you. And I was just like, I feel like she was just very rude to me for having a Brazilian accent and telling me that I will I I don't speak native Portuguese. Like I'm not real or something. It was very weird. And I started thinking, are people in Portugal like judged for having Brazilian accents? Like, is this a weird, like racist thing? Anyways, that was just a really odd experience. Like I've I've, I've never been like mistaken for a Latino that way. And um, it, it hurt. Like I could feel her like disdain for me and Brazilian culture. And I didn't like it because I fucking love Brazil and I love Brazilians. And um, I'm really proud that I have a Brazilian accent because those amazing people taught me how to speak Portuguese. So anyways, that was just an interesting experience that like brought some interesting insecurities around my accent here. And then I started thinking maybe I should try to break that accent. And then I was just like, Jane, you aren't even fluent yet. You weren't even close to being fluent. Just keep doing your thing. Let it go. And what's funny is yesterday I took an Uber to get here. And um, I was always, I'm speaking Portuguese. And um, more and more, the more comfortable I'm getting here, the more and more people are just assuming I speak Portuguese. Not asking me if I'm Brazilian, but just treating me like anyone else. And the Uber driver yesterday just was venting to me the whole car ride about like people in the street and people who fucking try to cross in the crosswalks and think that they don't he doesn't see them and I wasn't totally understanding him because again the Portuguese accent it's it's really hard to understand and I'm in this interesting place in my fluency right now where I don't realize whether someone's speaking English or Portuguese to me. I only realize whether or not I'm understanding them. I think that when I started learning Portuguese, I was kind of translating in my mind what someone was saying to me, and there was kind of a lag, which is an incorrect way to learn a language, if you didn't know. You do not want to be translating in your mind. You want your mind to be understanding the words as they're coming out. And so that lady, for example, that hostess who was talking to us, I didn't even realize that language was happening in Portuguese until Lily told me that she didn't understand what what she was saying, but she felt a weird vibe. And so it's funny because I don't really notice. I just realize that I'm understanding everybody and people are understanding me. And then on this car ride, this guy was just venting and I was like, I was really trying to keep up with what he was saying, but I was really missing it. And I just kept throwing in little things like, ah, oh, mesmo, nossa. Mm. <laughs> and it worked <laughs> it worked I don't I'm not going to assume that all Portuguese people hate Brazilians I think I just met one lady who was like really judgmental about it and that was super interesting so after five days of just going hard in this city like Lily did not let us skip a beat you guys and it was so fun honestly to just put my heartache away, put my drama away, put my work away. Like I put all my work away. I didn't teach. I didn't see any clients. I hardly posted anything. You know, I was posting to my stories to share everything with you guys. And it was like, wake up, focus on 
being with Lily and enjoying the city as much as we can. And we just killed it. Like seriously, we killed it. We had the perfect trip. And I hope she feels that way too. I'm pretty sure she does. Like I've even texted her like any regrets, anything you wish that you you did. Um, but you know, we went to the beaches. We went to the Saint-Georges castle, which was really fun, really beautiful. There's lots of castles here to explore. We saw some beautiful churches. We did some amazing shopping. What else did we do? What else? We ate some amazing foods. I just... I, uh, we went to the Times Up or the Time Out Market. That was honestly probably my least favorite part. I think Lily enjoyed it. I was just completely overwhelmed. It's like this huge kind of warehouse with booths with like just tons of different types of foods and tons of seating and just tons of people. And it wasn't really ventilated. And it was probably the most overwhelmed I've been this whole trip was being there. And they had this American donut stand that I keep thinking about that was not American donuts. It was like donuts with so much shit on them that I've never seen in my life. And I, my only regret is that I didn't get one of those donuts. I was too, I couldn't do anything. I sat at a bar and I ordered a drink and waited for Lily to like do her thing. And then while I was sitting at the bar drinking the drink, the bartender told me that I couldn't sit where I was sitting, where I sat down to order the drink. And I got even more stressed out. And I was like, I hate this place. So that was probably the only thing we did that like I don't need to do again. Everything else was so much fun. And I've got three more weeks to keep on exploring. So, so yesterday I transitioned from my Airbnb to a hostel. So let's talk about that a little bit. I chose an Airbnb for my first week because I wanted to just be really comfortable. I splurged. I wouldn't say I splurged. I paid like average place here is going to be $100 a night. If you want your own kitchen and bathroom, if you want your own space, that's about the minimum you're going to be paying. So I found us a really, really cute miniature little Airbnb right in town. Then I was doing a lot of research about hostels in Europe and they're really nice here. I've never been interested in staying in hostels just because I don't see the necessity. The way that I view traveling is different than the way that a lot of people view traveling. I don't take pride in being a budget traveler. I take pride in really enjoying my travels. I'm only on this earth once and so I'm going to enjoy it. But these hostels, like I kept coming across them as I'm looking for stays and I was like, these are really nice. So this hostel is $50 a night that I'm in. I'm in a tiny room that's actually really cute. I'm adjusted to it. Like I said, it's kind of like a dorm room. I've got all this space out here and I haven't seen anybody. And I've got to teach yoga today and I could teach it from this room. It's just going to be really small, a little cramped maybe. But like I haven't seen anyone. So I might go teach in like the main space and just shut the doors and just be one of those yoga influencers in the wild, which is like not my favorite thing to do, but we'll see. We'll figure that out when we get to it. But there's a cappuccino machine downstairs. This place is huge. Like there's so many rooms and it's locked at the front. Like I can't even get through the front by myself. I have to wait for someone to beat me in. And then I'm on the third floor. So, and there's just so many rooms that I actually feel super safe here. Most hostels, people are sharing rooms. Um, I will never do that. I don't like sharing rooms with people. I hardly even like sharing a room with my sister. Most people in this hostel are waking up and getting out the door and exploring and being tourists all day, traveling all day, coming back super late, going to bed, waking up tomorrow, doing the same thing. 
I did that for the first day, five days of being here, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. We walked 10 miles every day. We saw everything. I also run a business, and that's why when I travel, I like to stay in a place for at least a couple of weeks, if not a month. I, I just, I really like to feel how it feels to settle into a place. I have the privilege. I can. I don't have to go back to the States at all for any reason. So today I'm probably going to be in this hostel all day. I've got a class this afternoon. I've got clients. I've got meetings. I have so much work to do. I'll leave to go get lunch and dinner. Um, but today I'm not doing any travel-y things. I'm not doing any touristy things. And so it's kind of nice that I'm at a hostel because I feel like I have the whole place to myself. Um, anyways, so a lot of you had questions about like the hostel situation and what that was like. And so I just wanted to share it with you guys. If you guys want me to like make another episode on like how to plan a trip, let me know. Yeah, it's hard work. Um, and the other night I was just walking and I was just like, you paid for your own fucking month-long trip in Europe. Like, just one of those adult moments of like, you're so cool. I was really, really proud of myself. Um, so you guys sent me some questions on Instagram. I'm opening my phone to check them out. And I wanted to read them. So let me pull up. Okay, so one of the questions you guys asked me is how to get over anxiety about traveling alone as a woman first of all, I think that this starts at the base layer of like, how do we deal with the anxiety of the existential lack of security that we feel as women here on planet earth? <laughs> like, let's just focus on that in general. Wherever you live, as you're walking down the street, as a woman by yourself, night or day, how safe are you really? And that's something I keep on asking myself. Why? There is a myth. There is a myth that outside of the United States isn't safe. This is a myth that we have been fed our whole lives. It's a nationalist myth that as soon as we leave the United States, we're not safe anymore. And I think that's probably the most silly thing I've ever heard because there are more mass shootings in the United States every day than in any other country in the world. So first, I think we need to ask ourselves about this idea that we're, we're not safe outside of the United States, are we? Is that true? But you're right, traveling alone as a woman, you are extremely vulnerable. And even just being alone in San Diego, I felt vulnerable. I was checking my car to make sure no one tagged it. I was always checking to make sure no one was following me. When I would pull into my garage, I would make sure that nobody like was watching me. Being a woman who is alone every day, always, is vulnerable. And if someone started catching me in my patterns and noticing that I was always alone, that could make me extremely vulnerable no matter where in the world I am. So let's just notice that. Now, that being said, I feel like traveling, I'm going to say specifically in Rio. And, you know, no, I would, I would say that Brazil is easily the most dangerous place I've traveled. The Philippines is also relatively dangerous, but not really where I was. I think that traveling in Rio with locals taught me so much about how to be safe and how to watch your back, and how to carry yourself in a way where nobody will mess with you. Again, being outwardly American, smiling at everyone, being bubbly all the time, saying hi to everyone. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Asking people if they need help, like never offering your help to somebody, never looking vulnerable to anyone. If someone stops you to talk to them, you put your defenses up. And I say, ¿Qué você precisa? Hmm? 
I'm very direct. What do you need? I keep my glasses on. I keep a straight face. Again, I try to mimic what I see the other women doing here. Girls here, they don't wear any makeup. Okay, I'm not gonna wear any makeup. Like I'm, I'm going, I do my best to look as much like a local as I possibly can. So that's one big thing that I do when I'm traveling alone. Also, I carry myself as someone who is always safe. I carry myself as someone who you don't want to fuck with. You will regret it. I ask my Buddhas and my protectors to always be with me. And I tell myself the story that I'm always safe. And I keep, I listen to my gut everywhere I go. Every, should I turn right or left? I listen to my gut. Should I walk through that park or around it? I listen to my gut. And one thing I've noticed that I'm probably going to do some writing about today is that I am afraid of men. Like, I just am. And there's a lot of men in this town. Like, I don't know where all the women are. There's a specific park that um, we would walk through. Now that I'm alone, I realize that park is full of men. And women are choosing to walk around the edges of it. So I'm trying to notice what do women do and how do the men here make me feel? Now, there was a day when um, Lily was looking for something. She walked a few steps ahead of me and I saw this man um, kind of start to circle her and he thought she was alone and he started speaking to her in English. And I stepped up and I like snapped my finger and I pointed at him and I just did this like full body energy like you better back the fuck off of her. And he looked terrified. He looked so afraid. He jumped back, was like waving his hands, scopa, scopa, and he ran off. And I was like, that's right. Thank you. Like, I feel like here in Portugal, no, it's so safe, you guys. It's so safe. No one is here to mess with me. And Lily wasn't in danger. I just didn't like the way he was looking at her. And I, you know, let him know that that was not okay. And then he apologized. So, um, God, even last night I was walking behind these really, really tall men and I was trying to walk past them because I guess gay people just cannot walk the same pace as everybody else. But as I tried to walk past the one on the right, he also stepped to the side for another girl that was walking past him. And then he kind of bumped into me and I just felt so embarrassed. And he looked at me with the biggest, kindest smile and was like, do the bang. And I was just like, wow, people here are just like fine. Like no one here is scary. No one here is mean. Like I feel safe. I feel perfectly fine. Um, but I'm always watching my back, you guys. I'm always watching my back. I'm always making sure I'm not being followed. I'm always making sure I'm locking the doors. I do kind of wish I would have bought one of those door stoppers because being alone you do feel vulnerable. Going to sleep here alone last night, knowing there's all kinds of people coming into this building, I did feel vulnerable, but I have to remind myself that I'm safe and that I'm protected. You guys, like, being a woman, the amount of times I said to Lily, I wish that I could be a man so that I could just go and have these adventures by myself. Men have no idea how different it is for them. Uh, a different, another movie I watched on the flight here, uh, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies, Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt. Uh, so good. Only a man gets to do that kind of shit. The amount of fucking stories out there where a man leaves his fucking wife and child to go on an adventure in the Himalayas to find himself and to climb a mountain. I'm so over these storylines, even though it's like one of my favorite movies. I'm so over these storylines. Women don't get to do that. I don't get to just go wander the Himalayas. And 
you could say, you should, Jane, do it. There's a line at how much I'm willing to put myself in danger, you guys. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great question. I'm, you know, I hope that this answer I've given you is, um, is the answer you're looking for, I guess, because there's so many layers to that question, right? I will always say to find people to travel with, but right now I'm alone. And I also don't want to find people to go on adventures with because I want to do my own thing. So I'm doing my own thing, you know? I think my number one tip to traveling, do everything you can to act like a local. If you're in a country where most girls are covering their hair, you should probably fucking cover your hair. If you're in a country where girls are not showing their shoulders or their chest, you should probably mimic their behavior. I think that's a big key of keeping ourselves safe here. Okay, what challenges have been have presented themselves and how are you overcoming any fear that comes up? Um, challenges. I haven't really had any challenges. Um... <laughs> I was planning on using my American Express the whole time I'm here just to get points and no one here takes American Express. So it's funny when I think of challenges, that was like the first one when I got here and the bartender was like, oh yeah, no one here is going to take that. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, most people here take cash. It's like, you're telling me I'm not going to build points the whole time that I'm here? And it was funny because I actually got stressed out about that. And then I went, Jane, why the fuck are you stressing out about something so silly? So um, like I, what was the question even? Like, any challenges? No, I haven't had any challenges at all. Um, understanding European Portuguese has definitely been a challenge, but the people here are so patient and also mostly speak English that um, that hasn't been a challenge at all. Like I, the only challenges that seriously that I've had is like waking up yesterday and knowing I had to pack up the Airbnb and check out and get myself a mile away to this hostel and check in and like go to dinner by myself, those are the big challenges for me. These are the interesting fears that I'm overcoming. I was so nervous about checking into this hostel and it was fine. I was worried that my Airbnb or my Uber driver would be irritated that I asked him to drive me only one mile, but he completely understood. I had suitcases, like he was so kind about it. I was so worried that this hostel would be like a terrible idea and that I would so regret it. And it was fine. We're conditioned with so much fear before we even get there, you know? We're, we're conditioned that we're not safe. And being here has actually helped me just grow past all this fear. Going out to eat alone in a foreign city really isn't that scary. Using the Portuguese that you've studied that might not be that good to... Get, get around isn't really that scary. No one's really paying attention to you. Maybe that's what's scary, you know? Maybe that's what's scary, that no one really gives a fuck about me. <laughs> also, there's something really refreshing and fun about getting ready by yourself and going out for a night by yourself and being whoever the fuck you want to be. Like, that feels really good putting on a cool outfit that I just bought today and doing some cool makeup because I don't care if you think I'm American or European or Brazilian. I realize that a lot of the clothes I wear are like legitimate from Brazil. These, both of these questions here, like my biggest answers to them is like believing that you are safe, believing that you are safe, believing in the good and knowing that you're going to trust your gut and that you're going to trust your intuition to keep you safe. 
And I really like to feel into the energy, the vibration of a um of a country. I really like to feel that. And the energy here is so mellow and clear. There hasn't been a moment that I haven't felt safe. There really hasn't been a moment that I haven't felt safe. And it's nice. So thank you, Portugal. Like, what a great country. <laughs> it's a great country. Honestly, I love it here. I'm really enjoying it. Um, the last question that I had was, how to stay grounded when traveling? This is a question I get all the time. All the time. When you're traveling, you get into your own rhythm and routine. And that is up to you. And I think that it's really hard whether you are traveling by yourself with a friend, with a group, with your family. I see groups touring together, not easy, not fun. How you stay grounded while you're traveling is checking in with yourself. When you're traveling, there are two choices you can make when you wake up and when you go to bed. When you wake up, when you're traveling, what do you wanna do to start your day to keep you grounded? And before you go to bed when you're traveling, what do you wanna do to keep you grounded? During those five days, I probably meditated a couple of minutes each day. Did a little bit of breath work each day. Did a little bit of journaling each day. Did I do any yoga practices? Nope. Like throw away when you're traveling, throw away the routines you think you need and ask yourself what what do you want to bring into your travels? And I'd be curious if you're the type of traveler who won't let a minute go by, which is fine. Um, or if you're the type of traveler who really wants to enjoy their experience. Now, I, there's this girl that I knew we were in a, we were, we had some mutual friends and she and I just, we did not click well. And I'll never forget getting into this argument with her one day because she believes that when you are traveling, you, you are never ever again going to get to have that moment. You are never ever again going to get to be in that city or in that place or it like, you better wake up at the crack of dawn and see every inch of that city and not waste a single moment because you're never going to get to do that again. And people who don't travel that way are just spoiled, rich people. Like she, she, this girl, I had so many problems with her and I didn't agree with her. I said, when I travel, I love to pretend like, what if I am going to come here again? I'm literally here right now to decide if I would want to live here someday. So I spent the first five days being a tourist and hustling, and now I'm going to spend the next two weeks acting like I live here. I wake up, I go downstairs, I make my espresso, I sit in my bed, I do my Buddhist practices, I open my journal, I write, I take a shower, I go get some breakfast, I get on my laptop, you know? So I make what I want my routine to look like while I'm here. And I think that a lot of people, when they're traveling, they're just like, I gotta go, 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 go. And then they get home from their trip and they hit the wall and they're exhausted and they're really having trouble integrating back into their normal life. Travel can be the most exhausting thing you do to your body. First of all, just getting in an airplane is so, so, so hard on your body in a way that you don't even know. Then on top of it, we're jet lagged. We're adjusting to new water, new food, new air, new grids. And we're walking all day, going all over the place. Also, fucking with your nervous system because you get anxious. You get nervous. Things are different. You're not sure of what to do. So when I'm traveling, I really like to care for my nervous system. And I really like to give myself the time. If today all I do is go have a delicious dinner at a great restaurant and read my book and work all day at this hostel, that's okay because I'm still experiencing vida no Portugal, like I'm still here. 
having that experience. And so you get to choose how you want to stay grounded while you're traveling. No one else gets to choose that for you. And if you want to spend your morning starting with a meditation and staying in your hotel room or your Airbnb, like you should do that, you know? I want to spend a lot of time here sitting at cafes writing. I don't need to see every castle. Like that's not what matters to me. I want to work on my language skills and and swim in the crazy fucking cold and salty Atlantic Ocean as often as I can. I don't know if I really care to see like all the greatest sights. I stumble upon them as I wander, you know? So you guys, I understand like my traveling perspective is really different. I got to take my little sister on a five-day like kick-ass trip to Lisbon and I would I will write down the itinerary if that's something you guys want to know what to do in Lisbon. But every time I want to go to a place, I want to go for at least two weeks to a month. That's just how I am. I spent a month in Rio at the beginning of the year. I'll spend a month here. I'm spending a month in Tulum after this. And who knows what's next? Nepal is calling to me. Thailand is calling to me. (sighs) The world. I have the whole world. I have no home, so I get to go wherever I want, you know? Okay. Is there anything else? that I feel like needs to be shared here. Mm. I'm just grateful that I am here by myself and that I'm okay, to be honest. I had a moment where I wanted to cancel all of this because I didn't believe that I was mentally well enough to come here on my own. And in my next episode, I will share more with you guys about that. Something I've learned is that the thing that scares you the very most, the thing that scares you so fucking badly to do, is what is going to bring you the most growth. And getting here and realizing that it's not that scary and it's not that bad and that I'm fine and that I'm really enjoying myself, that's the growth I've been looking for. That's the growth I came here for. And I'm just grateful I get to share that with all of you. So... Yep, I get to teach my yoga class in a couple of hours here. I've got so many new members in Sunrise. I'm so grateful that I got to welcome all of you in. And um, I actually do have another opening um, in September for another one-on-one mentee. I will be back stateside in September and I'll be grounding into the Western Hemisphere, which will be really, really good. Working while you're in a European time zone is definitely more challenging. Um... So if you're feeling like you wanted to get some one-on-one support from me throughout the fall season, um, I'll leave the link to apply here. And end of September is when I've got that new slot opening. And then lastly, you guys, I just want to announce it. I'm going to launch the next round of Sanctuary very soon. Um, My assistant and I have a meeting today to get into it. So if you've been thinking about joining Sanctuary, my Chakra Healing Full Alignment Get Your Shit Together program, um, we're going to be announcing that soon. So keep in touch. And also, Lioness is going to go through some changes, okay? Everything is going to change. New look, new vibe, new interviews, new everything. I'm changing. My whole brand is changing. My website is changing. We are going through a big rebirth right now, and we are becoming the, the Jane that has always wanted to be shining. You guys, I just keep, I keep thinking about how much we can lose ourselves in relationships, and I think that when I get sad, it's, it's, I get sad that I think I lost myself in that last relationship that I was in. And that's okay. I don't need to blame myself, but I do feel sad about it. And I'm just really grateful that 
I'm here now finding myself again and learning to validate who I am inherently. I was talking to one of my best friends, Maddie, (laughs) about how a lot of times we rely on those who love us the most to give us value, to tell us that we're beautiful or special or worthy or important. And when those people aren't around, how do we believe that we matter? And to me, that is like the crux of codependency. And if there's a big goal that I have here, it's to really feel like I inherently matter on my own. No one needs to look at me or perceive me as special or beautiful or anything or even valid or worthy or existing. I shouldn't matter through the eyes of anybody else but my own. And that's why I'm here alone in the city right now to have that experience with myself. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope I have inspired you to go out and do the fucking thing that you want to do. Don't let it sit on your manifestation list any longer, babe. Just make it happen. What's the next step? What's the next step? Let's start planning. I'm here for you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll chat with you guys again soon. Ciao, ciao.